Welcome to Cursed Objects with me, Dr. Kasha T, a Coronation Chicken fan. And me, Dan Hancocks, a journalist, editor and black-hearted Republican. <laughs> How are you, Cash? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, really excited for the upcoming Jubilee weekend. Sure. That's, um, that's a position, I suppose, isn't what... it? <laughs> no, we're all excited for the weekend. <laughs> what day even is... <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a problem, isn't it? So yeah, Cash I... and I, in the run-up to this recording, which takes place just a couple of days before the long weekend, uh, we appreciate we are broadcasting this afterwards and we're going to be talking about all the themes that are contained within it. But we realised mm. just beforehand that we don't actually have any idea when the day is. <laughs> uh, we're both sort of itinerant, semi-employed, self-employed <laughs> types who don't have... White collar desk jobs. We reject calendars and linear time. And bank holidays reject us. We don't get paid on bank holidays, exactly, do we? Exactly. So, so while you're all off enjoying yourselves at your street parties, uh, celebrating <laughs> homage, uh, we will be weeping softly and wondering why nobody is replying to our emails. Um, no, we genuinely haven't worked it out yet. I, I think normal people are off on Thursday and Friday, are they not? Yeah, so is it both days? Or was it? Or was there always a bank holiday on that Friday? There's usually and one at the end there, of May. Yeah. Why isn't there one? Why isn't there one on the Monday? It's, That's confusing. It's just as well this isn't the current affairs podcast. <laughs> People don't come here for information; they come here for ideas, right? <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, uh, please do Google it if you're not sure when the jubilee is, or in fact was, since this is probably going out in a week or two. Yeah, it's it's funny. It does actually. I mean, I think this is something we want to talk about today. But um, I'm old enough to remember. Not just the 2002 Jubilee, but the death of Princess Diana and mm. the way the nation stopped when that happened. Mm. And I remember very clearly thinking how cool and clever I was because I didn't stay at home and watch the the like Diana funeral on TV, which like everybody else in the country was, well, clearly not everybody, but a large number of people were doing. You're a born rebel, Dan. Well, I was I 16. I think this is the important <laughs> thing to understand. I'm not, I'm not like, I thought I was cool because I was 16 and mm. me and my friend Alex uh, went to play tennis when the funeral mm. was on telly and the entire nation was locked in and Earl Spencer gave that speech, which, you know, was sort of, very, very faintly kind of anti-monarchical or sort of the anti-royal family. Um, Do you know what? It's interesting because, yeah, you know, we kind of speak about the like the differences in like, uh, I guess, our experiences. And I, I was, I don't know, I can't remember how old I was when Princess Diana died, maybe like five or six, five. Mm. And um, it was 1997, if that helps you. Yeah, no, I'm not very good at math. Okay, so. fair enough. <laughs> Quick Cash math. Kasha was 17. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so um, I remember it viscerally, and I remember going because the the is it called a cat, not a carriage? The barge? No, the 
the, the royal barge. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine if the... <laughs> disrespecting Princess Diana by putting her in a, in a barge, sort of, and just taking her up the Thames to like Tilbury Docks or something. Anyway, sorry. Yes, I, I, uh, we went to actually go and see the hearse pass by. Like it was on the motorway going past our house. Oh wow! So we went, and like my parents aren't. Monarchists, is that the term? I mean, Mm -hmm. it will become clear in this episode that I'm really disengaged from any of these debates, but Mm. uh, they're not like staunch monarchists. But I remember my mum keeping a newspaper from Princess Diana's death, my, and then us going to see the hearse as it passed. Mm. And, but really more so seeing it on so many Vox Pops, seeing it on so many like, this was Princess Diana's death, seeing it on so many news clippings, news mm. stories, mm. that it's actually become imprinted in my mind as if it's a genuine uh, memory of mine that I really viscerally really? remember it. But really... The thing is, you would have been the age and with the way that, you know, gender is kind of constructed, yeah. surely you would have been mad into princesses at this point. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wonder if you had, like... Is that not generally the case of six-year-old, five-year-old girls? Uh, but I that's not to say... Brothers. I was into wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> The queen of your hearts was Hulk Hogan, <laughs> basically, or The Undertaker. Um, yeah, wow. That's so cool. Well, the that's only good. royal accolade is the belt. <laughs> the WWE. You're into belt. Iron Maiden and, and uh, yeah, and WCW. Incredible. Um, yeah, so we should probably remind people that this is a podcast called Cursed Objects, in yes. which every oh, week yes, we bring it, we take it in turns to bring in an object that mm. helps us tell a story about the politics, culture, and society of the world around it. There's just um, so much to say on this yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, there is. Got yeah. we steamed straight in, <laughs> such as our enthusiasm for this subject. Mm. Now, when we were considering what cursed object could represent um, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, mm-hmm. which is at some point this weekend, as yet unspecified, um, we were spoiled for choice, right? Yeah. I mean, some of our, our the friends of the pod, um, mm-hmm. our followers on Twitter, have been tagging us in furiously to yeah. the vast quantities of um, blue, red, white, and blue, or often purple tat, because yeah. purple is the is the royal, royal. colour, is it not? Mm-hmm. Um I was for some reason distracted on the on the bus up to Kasha's house slash studio here, um, and <laughs> thinking of I, I was wondering like I wonder did Walkers do like a special range because we like so many brands have produced Queen related tat mm. or have sent out press releases about how you know you should use their spa because something something mm. the Queen's Jubilee. Um, I have to I, say my favourite is the uh, KFC Jubilee special, like, banquet, <laughs> banquet box. KFC is, like, absolutely how, <laughs> They've got know, a Coronation centuries. Chicken burger, which I believe... Oh, have they? Yeah, which I believe isn't actually really Coronation Chicken There's no flavor. raisins in it. <laughs> no, I think it's just got, like, a hash brown and maybe a kind of slightly fruity sauce, maybe. It I don't surely know. I'm gonna... has to have the slightly fruity sauce. Yeah, I'm going to get it at some point over this weekend, so Research, I'll let, I'll let yeah. everyone know. Bill that to, to the podcast. <laughs> Um, absolutely. Like, save the receipt. Okay. Yeah. Bring yeah. it in later yeah. and we'll, I'll frame for tax it. purposes, yeah, yeah. frame it. Why not? Um, there was also, like, I got this for some reason, I'm on loads of food mailing lists. I wrote, like, I've written three articles about food ever, but somehow the PRs all, all know where I am. Uh, which means I get I get sort of press releases like Do they the one... know your address? Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, no, my email address. Just your email address. <laughs> Not, like, all the PRs queuing up outside my flat in Just South like London. standing around in Peckham hoping to bump into you at some stage. <laughs> I 
I mean, I hope they have a better a better sort of method for reaching journalists than that. Um, they, yeah, they, I, I, so I got like a press release for these insanely expensive Jubilee cakes, like these horrible cupcakes. Mm. These are on the mm. Cursed Objects Twitter. Please go and look them up. They're like, they're 50 to 70 quid. Ooh. And my favourite is the big, the big Jubilee cake that's red, white and blue in the exact stripes and the exact... It just literally looks like the Russian flag. It is the Russian flag, which at this moment of all moments. Famously, I mean, they loved royals. Well, yeah. for, <laughs> well yes and no. Quite yeah. a long history yeah, and, then, yeah. and then not so much for I mean, you know, solid, like, this is something years. we'll come to, I think, when we talk about the, you know, having a monarchy versus having a presidential system and whether you end up replacing one with the other. But um, mm. yeah, what I was thinking on the way up was like, have Walker's Crisps produced a sort of commemorative cash-in thing in the way that they do when like it's the world cup and they have salt and lineker crisps and stuff mm. and so i've just come up with these i just want to read these out to you because it turns out walkers haven't done it so i've done it for them <laughs> queen and onion excellent um really good jubilee and potato <laughs> like leek and potato <laughs> soup um couldn't really get anything for salt and vinegar so i've got assault on our basic rights as citizens and vinegar okay yeah i like that it's long long-winded but- but, you know, I think it does what it says. <laughs> yeah. <on the> tin. <laughs> Smoky Windsor Castle, which is a reference, which does not is not a pun because it should be Smoky Bacon. But obviously, Windsor Castle burned down. Oh my god! It's one of the things that, uh, or mostly burned down. Um, one of the bad, one of the bad moments in the nineties for the Royals. Yeah, the nineties were a terrible time for the Royals, but a great time for crisp flavors. Crisp flavors. <laughs> Um, and, and then there's let, let me really let me finish it. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't. Uh, anyway. And then finally, I've got Buckingham and Mustard Palace. Ooh, <laughs> doesn't really. Well, you'd eat I that. I would eat that. I would eat that. I love a ham and mustard crisp. And then finally, prawn Cromwell, which is just, which is just a <laughs> testament to the fact that. Um, like the thing I enjoyed most at university doing my history degree that I wasn't expecting to was studying the English Civil War and the period uh, Cromwell mm. um, where they killed the king ultimately. Yeah. A lot of people don't know we had a revolution in this country, mm. but at least mm. one anyway. Um, and that Cromwell then, I mean, reflecting that same issue around what happens when you remove a monarchy in terms of who replaces, or who rushes mm. in to fill that space. Um, they did then spend the next 11 years trying to persuade Cromwell to be to become king, basically, which right. he always rejected, and but he was a you know, de facto sort of mm. monarch of sorts in any case, um, which is an argument I think that's often used, you know, against Republicans, like, you know, mm. that, the, the, you know, you'll inevitably get some sort of figurehead amassing wealth and power and land, Um whether they're called a king or not is immaterial, right? right? And in fact, the thing that, um, I mean, the thing that like people often say is, and it is quite a persuasive argument, I think, in a way, even as an ardent Republican, they, the, people have, have often said historically, even before Donald Trump, uh, you know what would happen if we abolished the monarchy? You'd end up with like President Richard Branson mm. or like President Alan Sugar because mm. it would be some eminent, older, probably white man mm. um, who is already well known, wealthy, powerful, uh, famous, um, getting on a bit. Yeah. And they'd just be sort of shuffled into that position, probably still not really have much political power because Parliament is theoretically at least sovereign makes our laws passes our laws yeah but um and you know that's a it's a good rejoinder to people like me because that's you're like oh 
god that would be awful yeah like but but i don't think it's good enough yeah personally and i think I mean, you and I have been talking about sort of how our like divergence in our feelings about the monarchy. Like for me, it's mm-hmm. something that from a quite an early age has been such a fundamental and formative part of my politics that like this absurd, like um, you know, antiquated, garlanded um group of, you know, inbreds should not be ruling over <laughs> us in a modern in a modern I mean, it's just a true fact about all families, really. Don't split hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like should you know the the that this is you know it's just so obvious it almost doesn't need debating or mm. discussing or the case making and in fact uh, and i think that the difference between in, in whereas you you have a like profound ambivalence right yeah i so we were talking on the phone and you you said you you basically like we were talking about the the monarchy and you were just saying you know there's just no argument there's no real point in talking about it in that <laughs> way and i kind of you know i I kind of guess for me, it just forms such a marginal part of my politics. Yeah. Like I understand broadly why, uh, and you know, and I support broadly not having a monarchy. And I think all of the memes about guillotines are funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Although obviously in practice, they'd be horrible. But yes. like, you know, I think the, you know, the culture that surrounds the idea of like getting rid of the monarchy is is part, is a culture that I have an affinity with. Yeah. But also I... I guess I just never really, and like, you know, I kind of understand the economics, which I hope, well, maybe that you can like lay out a little bit more for us. Mm. Um, But I guess for me, I just had such a, I don't know whether it's from my Polishness that I feel like I don't have the right to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Although I I say things about a lot of things. I don't know, maybe I feel like, and I think there is a kind of weird um, attachment to the monarchy, especially in a country where... Uh, a monarchy still exists because in so many others it's been got rid of historically due to like historical factors and forces and changes in politics Mm. and certainly like in Poland like there are no there are no kings and famously whenever there were kings they were always I mean not all of them were bad but like (laughs) for a large proportion later on they were like used as basically like puppets for uh, for Russia and and Germany and whatever and Uh, and well Germany didn't exist but you know what I'm saying Prussia and Russia, et cetera, um, and Austria. Anyway, I think also, like, there is such a strong attachment to the monarchy in this country because kind of what you were touching on earlier about this idea that we have, I don't know, like 300 years maybe of what we understand as some kind of, like, governmental, not democracy, but, like, parliamentary system, right? Mm -hmm. And I think... Yeah, even for, like, Republicans, people are like, yeah, but look, it's worked, right? And I think I remember being in school and uh, hear, and reading about the kind of checks and balances that supposedly exist, because we don't have a written constitution, mm-hmm. right? So we've got the House of Commons and we've got the House of Lords. So we've got the House of Commons and if they misbehave, we've got the House of Lords. And if the House of Lords misbehave, we've got the House of Commons. And then we've also got the King slash Queen. So all three work in this kind of tripartite system of checks and balances, right? That's the idea. That's the theory. And I remember learning about that at school, being like, okay, that's great. Instead of there just being one system that fails, we've yeah. got three systems. What I didn't realize <laughs> is that we've got three systems that are failing. <laughs> I was like, we've got three systems. How can three systems fail? And then I was like, oh, right, the House of Lords is just like filled with like awful people. I love it. 
Oh, right. The House of Commons is largely filled with awful people. Oh, right. And then we've got the monarchy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it really so convinced funny. my, like, convinced my 16, like, 16-year-old yeah, brain yeah. coming to terms with politics. I'm like, okay, well, look. Like, it's not about bureaucracy. It's about everyone keeping everyone else in check. So what a great system. And then obviously it only works if... I mean, it's the same. In, I mean, it's not the same in America, but like, I think in the US, as far as I know, like kids are taught at school about this sort of idealized version of the constitution and of indeed the three branches mm. that they have um, in the US. But yeah, I love that idea that like, well, there's three so how could they? Well, one of they all look after each other. Yeah. How could anything go the wrong? They, that's the problem. They look after yes. each other. I mean, they literally like you know the people the people running the government in the Commons put the people in the Lords. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. it's, there there are other things I'll go into, but um, and it's amazing. But that's really interesting. Don't don't you find it's just amazing? I think this is a conversation we've had maybe on another one of our episodes that like. People like hold on to the House of Lords sometimes. They're like, oh my God, the government have put through this awful bill on like protesting or whatever. Yeah. Please, the House of Lords, please. I mean, tragically. <laughs> do right by us. And they just. Like... Tragically, like the Lords, yeah, it, they do save the bacon of, you know, the public occasionally um, in the sense that they will trim off the absolute worst excesses and the least. De- I mean, in the case of Pretty Patel's um, policing, crime, sensing, and courts bill which went through, um, finally got through the House of Commons and became law earlier this year. Um, Yeah, if it wasn't for the House of Lords, the Mm. absolutely next level bonkers, undemocratic, authoritarian things that Priti Patel put in the bill at the absolute last minute when the House of Commons had already been, I mean, it's extraordinarily Mm. undemocratic, didn't give the Commons any chance to scrutinise it. And it was only the Lords filleting it and being like, no, you can't have this clause about how if you, you know, you know, so if you if you if you make an annoying noise uh, outside, then you can be arrested. No. Yeah, yeah. There were loads. I mean, so there were loads of things she tried to put in the last minute. But yes, appealing to the House of Lords is uh, is a tragic thing that we all have to do sometimes. But I think it's really good that you've mentioned them because I feel like they're absolutely wrapped up in this um, absurd, like antiquated system of wealth and privilege mm. that is the monarchy. Um, this is a cultural studies podcast, so we do want to talk like mostly, yes. obviously, about yes. like how we feel about the monarchy, how it is situated in pop culture. What role it's playing in role... society and exactly. how it bridges the gap between personal totally. uh, politics and like a broad kind of understanding of the world, right? Exactly. Big P and small P politics. This is what Curse Objects is about, perfectly put, exactly. Um, saying that, I think because you've kind of come to me with like, oh, I'm kind of ambivalent, like I can broadly see the point. Mm. Like I almost share that view these mm. days. But every now and then I have to remind myself, no, no, there are actually, there is a bullet pointed concrete list of all mm. the things that are wrong um, with, with the monarchy politically, which, you know, for me, kind of, you know, my formative politics, maybe, maybe it's almost like republicanism was just a very easy entry level thing when I was 14 or 15 to understanding how power works and how democracy mm. works and that this was obviously not democratic. It's informed as much by listening to The Clash, The Sex Pistols mm. and The Manic Street Preachers with their, you know, the Manics had like, they would buy like these dress shirts from charity shops, like white, you know, posh shirts, and then they would spray paint Buckingham Palace death sentence heritage on uh, on it and stuff like that. Which, when you're 15, is is very very it's sexy really cool. and cool. <laughs> uh, and you know, like the the it's a it is a very good entry into sort of you know a, a anti elitist egalitarian politics to be like, well, sorry, why is this <laughs> hereditary power is obviously insane. Mm. Um, so to just run through a few things, there was a Twitter thread that was doing the rounds. Some of them are cribbed from there. Some of them are just random things I remember. 
Let's quickly run through some of the problems with the monarchy um, and with the Queen specifically. The Queen tried to pay her staff less than minimum wage until there was an uproar. That, that didn't go down well. Um, the, que- the Queen uh, asked for a poverty grant to heat the royal palaces <laughs> oh, yeah, in 2011. Uh, there is the Black Spider memos, which is Prince Charles's memos to members of the mostly the new Labour government, where he tried to influence... So, you know, there's this idea that there's a separation of not so much church and state, but the monarchy and, and, and government. Mm. Uh, it's not that separate. <clears throat> I mean, the Queen is in Parliament. It is called the Queen's Speech. The Queen mm. has to read out. Mm. You know, that is, OK, you could say that's just heraldry ritual and so on. But like when behind the scenes it is discovered that Prince Charles has been writing letters to government ministers trying to persuade them to expand grammar schools or um, making points about, you know, how he doesn't like genetic genetically modified foods or, you know, ideas about environmental policy... Sorry, mate, why, why Why? do you think... That's obviously mm. under your influence when you're mm. Prince Charles. If I wrote a letter to David Blunkett, um, he'd probably, he probably wouldn't read it, you know? Um, oh. More's the pity. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you sound so sad for me there. If I wrote a letter to, to David Blunkett, it would probably be quite grumpy and he probably wouldn't want to read it, to be quite honest. Being authoritarian, racist, arsehole. Um, anyway, but then the, we also have, like, very recently the story of the Queen evicting... Uh, couple over a 32 pound bill um mm. from a oh, yeah. house that was on the crown estate um which uh revealed that it turns out that the royal household is exempt from the evictions ban that was introduced during covid so they were still evicting people and she can uh, eat swans bitch. yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> this is this is that wasn't on my list but i'm glad you brought it up who would want to eat a swan honestly um <laughs> But yeah, it's also like it's, it's it's to me the main the main one of the main issues with it, apart from the sort of symbolic totemic thing of like, oh, hereditary power exists and mm. it's okay, and this country is still run by somebody based on who their their grandparents were. Um, there is also it's it's just the fact that they are massive massive fuck off landlords. They own mm. vast swathes of land. Um, the Crown Estate manages a property portfolio of twelve point four billion pounds wow um they own all of regent street half the buildings around that sort of st james area um their estate includes uh retail residential and office space uh it includes 14 uh retail parks and three shopping centers i haven't actually checked which ones i'd love to know is it lake do you think they're a lakeside royal family or more of a like westfield or, sorry, i don't think they do in westfield but yeah they they own vast ways of this country mm. the housing crisis as it stands at the moment is largely about land value mm. and distribution mm. um at its core mm. uh, it's also about the lack of supply of new housing but it's it's really about sort of you know the insane sort of price of land and when you've got the royal family owning a large swathe of it across the country that is part of the real problem there like mm-hmm. we you know my my friend tan when i was talking to him about sort of you know whether we could even be bothered to be angry about there being a monarchy anymore which is sort of the i think the thing we're getting at here is it should it be a priority or should we just mm-hmm. be like well yeah i disagree with it but there are people sleeping on the streets guess it's connected is what i'm saying right 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 and my okay. and my friend tan made the point that it's not just the stupidness of having the monarchy and the things mm. that they the powers and the wealth they have it's the whole layer underneath the layer of stupid underneath as he put it yeah. um which i would include the house of lords in you know like if yeah. you're they're like bishops are still in the house of lords they're not with what like from the church of england yeah. you know why, and why also is that like, she is the head of the church yeah. of england because she's the head of yeah, yeah. so she is the 
religious figure of that, right? So yeah, it connects the, head, the... She's the head of the church, essentially. Yeah, it connects the monarchy with the with Parliament and also the church, even though we live in a broadly secular society. Yeah, an extremely secular, multicultural society. So, but yeah... Still, it's, it's about how power works behind mm-hmm, the scenes, right? Exactly. And, like, the Black Spider memos, I think, are a very good example, because if it wasn't for, like, excellent investigative journalism, we wouldn't even know that had happened. And mm. the same is true of a lot of the other things on that list, that, like... They didn't disclose that they were uh, paying their, trying to pay their staff less than minimum wage because they were proud of it. Like journalists had to find it out, and so you know, I feel like there's probably other things going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to say that they killed Princess Diana, but you know, some people have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's no, how that they're going to get out of yeah, all yeah, of our libel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's I, I don't, I don't. I have no thoughts on that particular conspiracy theory. I mean, they've also been protecting Prince Andrew recently, but I think that's uh, that's sort of less on the political. Um, my list of you know political charge sheet against against the royal family so i think you know there's i'm always torn between sort of having those thoughts in my head and just being like look this isn't a priority and part of the reason it's not a priority perhaps for the left in the in britain is that it's like we're massively massively losing the argument yeah, <laughs> like yeah, no like yeah. you're not going to win that argument i don't i don't have numbers in front of me for what the sort of approval ratings are for the royal family or like would you abolish the monarchy tomorrow if you could uh, but they will be super low, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And actually, even the like um, are the organisations that are kind of campaigning for a republic, there's one called just Republic, is not really very much of the left. Um, Tom Gann, a guy who uh, is involved in the excellent publication, The New Socialist, uh, I think he's been researching a piece on this at the moment because he's been tweeting about it a lot, about sort of what republicanism looks like in Britain in 2022. And he quotes a bit from the Republican, uh, sorry, from the Re- the Republic capital R website, where mm. they say, "A democratic Britain will give a huge boost to brand Britain. Our nation's image abroad will be of the modern, confident, and forward-looking country we really are." As Visit Britain says in their guide to promoting Britain, we can avoid the cliche-ridden imagery of past and promote our heritage as part of a, as a living part of a dynamic, positive, and modern nation. It's just, it's all quite New Labour in mm. its vibe, like mm. it, you know, like. Um, brand Britain and like there's a lot yeah, of deference. Yeah, very cool Britannia kind of exactly lame kind of nineties refashioning the idea or even the even the language of a kind of part of a dynamic positive modern nation. It mm. feels very much like those changes that came about in the nineties mm. to and and those changes. So I know that like certainly in the nineties they tried to refashion the idea of empire. I mean mm. we can talk about the Commonwealth in in the in relationship to like this jubilee until the cows come home. But yeah. certainly in the 90s, uh, they tried to refashion the idea of like um, the British flag as as encompassing kind of new multicultural identity where mm. like people from the for- like from the former empire mm. who were here were like uh, now part of a kind of multicultural society, right? And... The, 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 the monarchy represent... Oh, sorry, the, the, the Commonwealth monarchy, yes, and yeah, the monarchy yeah. represent them as the, well. That the Queen wasn't someone who was... Um, I guess that the Queen wasn't the person that she... that The Queen was invested in the Commonwealth. So she wasn't the person yeah. that was causing the the issues with, like, integration <laughs> of the empire. Do you know what I mean? That it wasn't, it wasn't her, about her, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think really... Uh, actually, there was an article that came out recently um, about her, about not her her personally, but the hiring practices at like Buckingham Palace that they oh, were wow. like explicitly um, quite racist in their hiring pa- yeah. practices. Uh, so, like, you know, I think 
I think there's this, I think the monarchy has kind of not really got away with it, but like for a little while and that tide is changing, you know, Wills and Kate going around the world and like, mm. um, like nations that were like formerly part of the British empire are now like, we don't want, we don't actually want you here because. <laughs> oh God, you, some of the imagery from that yeah, tour. Yeah, it was awful. Hell. I mean, not it to mention. So bad. Not to mention, Terrible. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Harry and Meghan here and the way that the British establishment in the form of the right wing press particularly has reacted to their them being, you know, quote unquote woke. Yeah. Um, like the, the war that has been waged against um, Meghan particularly, but both of them. Uh, I mean, I'm not, not about to take up two very rich and successful and wealthy privileged people as my sort of icons of resistance. But mm. um, it's extremely telling how any attempt to deviate from that sort of, mm. from the, the Wills and Kate model of, mm. of uh, you know, maintaining um, the, you know, order and tradition of, uh, of empire, essentially, mm. like in the way they sort of globetrot. Um just realised we're about halfway through and we haven't mentioned what our cursed object is. <laughs> but it does dovetail very nicely into what you were just saying, Kasia. So, like, um, you know, the the extent to which... I'm really interested in this idea that the monarchy... How dare you call us disorganised, <laughs> No, it's because we're so excited about the Jubilee. Um, uh, I'm really interested in... Let's try and bear in mind this idea of, like, can... Like, I'm sort of laughing at myself before I even say it, but, like, the idea of an inclusive monarchy, you know, like... Um, is obviously absurd. Like mm, it's mm. a it's an oxymoron. Like mm. a monarchy is, um, you know, like the the only people that can be the monarch of Great of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, are um, are Anglican Christians. Yeah, <laughs> like you yeah. know, who are born into it. You can't be a Catholic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to be part of their family. It can't like a, a monarchy can't be inclusive. Mm. But they are trying in the most risible sort of way. So our ob- our cursed object today. Uh, is part of a pack produ- produced uh, by the government and it's available, I, lo- I love that this is even just a URL, platinumjubilee.gov.uk <laughs> forward slash toolkit. <laughs> um, oh, I just love it as well because the government website is just so, so awful. Yeah. If you try and find any information, like I remember trying to go travelling and it's like, what restrictions are there around coronavirus or whatever? And you go on something and then it takes you somewhere else and then it goes to somewhere else. And you're basically going round different... And then a the labyrinth, same, basically. A labyrinth an online for, labyrinth. Forever, yeah. I've just realised it does actually say when the Jubilee is on the oh. Jubilee website, which is which you would hope it would. They have yes, at least got... Yeah. They've got that right. Um, so we've now established that it is Thursday. Yes. Um, <laughs> the toolkit... <laughs> Right, focus, Cash. Okay, the right. toolkit. <laughs> the toolkit incorporates fun activities such as a jubilee crown template that you can cut out, colour in, and put on your head. Okay. Uh, a colour in a corgi pack. Because um, that's part of her brand as well, isn't it? That she just loves corgis. So yeah. everyone's like, yeah, okay, that. So you think of the queen. You think about hats, I guess, <laughs> corgis, palaces. I'm fascinated. See what else is on this list? What else do you think of? <laughs> What is else is her shtick? Um, we don't we don't uh, actually know much about this woman. No, I think I think mainly my my images. Sea Kiling. Do you remember the, the images of uh, of, of her young, as a kid? Sea Kiling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. yeah I, I think my my sort of most uh, probably my most pro monarchy opinion, mm. and it is probably the only one, is that I think corgis are actually really cute and they should be reclaimed from the queen as a sort of people's dog. <laughs> if, that, if there is such a thing they're, they're just on oh, their little legs anyway um, I digress 
They, they, uh, along with the fun activities, which I'm assuming are aimed, pri- pri- aimed primarily as kids, unless you particularly want to do a, a dot-to-dot of a Queen's Guard, you can do. Um, there's then recipes, posters, and playlists. And let's just remember, this is a gov.uk website, so this is all paid for by the state, as will be a large portion of the national celebrations mm. generally, I think. Um, there's some, Here are the interesting nods to... Um, to sort of a multi, an inclusive monarchy, and I'm mm. saying that with uh, massive inverted commas around them again. Um, that so Nadia, uh, made famous by Bake Off, um, has pr- done a coronation aubergine recipe. Wow, that, I would absolutely smash that. That's, <laughs> that's so good. I mean, it does. I'm intrigued, and I feel like. If you're gonna monarchy have... bad, coronation aubergine good. Okay, you know, sure, we yeah. Can... We're very nuanced here at Castle. <laughs> <are>, yeah, <laughs> take the rough with the smooth. I think. I think if you ate, if you cooked and ate Nadia's coronation aubergine, that wouldn't. I wouldn't blacklist you. I don't think that necessarily means that you're on the on the way to the guillotine. In, in, okay, which, which is, but I'm know... probably further ahead than someone who just well... has never been on this website. <laughs> <laughs> well, that includes me too now, so that's fine. But yeah, there's also welcome to hell. <laughs> there's also. Uh, there's a pizza recipe. There is Ravneet. I don't know who Ravneet is. I'm assuming she's a bit famous since they've just used her first name. Ravneet's mm-hmm. fresh cream and jam celebration cake. And then uh, recipes from Greg Wallace and Prue Lee. Greg Wallace? As well. Yeah, Greg Wallace has got to contribute a recipe for grilled peaches with whipped cream. Anyway, famously, famously a chef. He is very, he's a, he's a top quality <laughs> chef. But yeah, so it's interesting. Those recipes, you know, reflect as the coronation recipe he's itself. The, he's the working class, like, affectation oh recipe, God. isn't he? You've actually thought about that. Like, yeah. the brand the yeah. brand agency that kind of consulted for the government on this actually were like had a proper brainstorm and like, we need Greg, Greg Wallace in there yeah. as well. He's got a, like, he's got a, you know, like... Grilled pieces, a whipped yeah. cream. <laughs> East Bosh. London accent. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, so cynical, isn't it? Millionaire TV style. But yes. Yeah, uh, yeah it's no, so it's cynical. extremely cynical. Um, but I think what I was going to say is that, like, I think the coronation chicken recipe itself was supposed to be incorporate sort of spices from Empire deliberately, mm. right? Like, mm. it was... It was to make the point that the Queen was the Queen of the Empire mm. at that point, or, you know, Commonwealth these days, um, not just of the British Isles, mm. which is, you know, gives it a very interesting kind of history. Mm. But I do agree with you that I think the sauce and particularly the raisins would be better with aubergine. So fair play to Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's also like, there's also those posters you can put up, mm. one of which just says, congratulations on your Platinum Jubilee, Your Majesty. Lovely. Like what a great slogan for a poster! Imagine yeah. putting that in your window. Um, so is that is that the aim? So this 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 resource has been created as a way for people to feel like they are involved in in this, right? So what yeah. they're going to have street parties? They are. They're going to and and also the bunting is part of this, right? Right, and I'm glad you mentioned the bunting. And there's, let me just add. There are also playlists for your party here featuring Ed Sheeran, the Spice Girls, kind of like an Elton John, because uh, that's the that's what the Queen likes, I guess. <laughs> she she likes the shape of you, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> She's been, I've seen her getting down to that before. Um, but yeah, it's really, we're building up to these, today's cursed objects um, with a, a cool half an with hour. With a cool half an hour in. But you know, it's all about creating that sense of anticipation, excitement yeah, that we're all yeah. feeling for the Jubilee itself, I think, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, it's, it's the bunting section where 
the Platinum Jubilee Toolkit website really comes into its own. Okay. Um, because you're not going to have to just, you know, colour in loads of red, white and blue or right. purple bunting yourself. You'd you run can, out of felt tips. You really. would. You can print it out yourself. <laughs> and so today's cursed object is some Union Jack bunt, Platinum Jubilee bunting with a lovely HM Government logo at the bottom mm. and a little sort of purple border that it absolutely doesn't need because you're going to cut it all out anyway but um mm. yeah it's got one so one of the one of the is chevron the right word triangle yes. it is triangle no yeah. triangle okay so one of the it's good if you think about bunting it's it's in and we all do think about bunting yeah is it lot. isosceles no i can't remember Ooh, that's get you. a very long time yeah. ago yeah but... well i did mass level and i I, I don't know the answer to what you just said. <laughs> Maybe, but then I also don't have a ruler, so I can't a measure scaly? the size. No, I think it's an isosceles. Just name all your favorite triangles. Um, <laughs> no. I've only got three. Wow. Equilateral. I'm, <laughs> I'm genuinely surprised you have three. Is the fourth one a Queen's Platinum Jubilee triangle? Because that's what we've got here. Yeah. Lovely. And then in the other triangle, the ones that aren't purple and with this special queen's crown oh it's got 70 worked into the logo god knows how much the um the royal family's brand agency came up to spend oh, on that uh, but then the other two are in union jack colors and then well, um yeah the uh bunting is strung up across the road it's sort of party decorations yeah. basically and it will hang across roads as i'm sure you've already seen some of this stuff out and about i saw some in morrison's in peckham yesterday mm -hmm. which was Flags, up to the night. flags. Yeah, we're talking about flags little in triangular flags. form, yes. essentially. Little tiny baby little flags. <laughs> yeah. And these ones you're supposed to print. It's a PDF and then you print it out. God, you can absolutely rinse your colour printer. Yeah. This is a terrible idea. Awful idea. It's just, you're just, you're just, yeah. You would you, just you buy, need you would to print, just buy you, them for a quid. Yeah, surely. Uh, or like a couple of quid because then you wouldn't have to cut them out. Print them and, you know... I love that there's a toolkit, though, that they've, they've, they've decided that you need help doing unless, this. Unless right, this you're stuff's an, already for sale everywhere. you're an anarchist who was also a royalist somehow, so I'm really bad carry on, I'm to see where this is going. And you work for a multinational <laughs> company, but you hated them. So then you would, like, use oh. their printer <laughs> to print To try and the put bunting. them out of pocket. Yeah. I love it. Um, I mean, there's so many It's quite a strategy, here. isn't it? Yeah. You, you, In my new novella. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what you've been thinking about while you've been at work in sort of idle moments recently? I know you don't want to take down your beloved coffee shop, which is which is which is not somewhere you don't want to bankrupt them. No, um, no. So yeah, I we think we don't have a printer. The bunting, the bunting thing. Okay, I'm I'm gonna. I want to try and we we want to talk about street parties. We want to talk about how people actually celebrate the day. I mean, I think that's the culture study stuff. That's the the important thing to me to think about with regards to the jubilee and the monarchy in general. Like. Does it give us a license to do stuff that is positive politically, that is, mm. you know, convivial, collective, and isn't about worshipping some, you know, ancient monarchy and ancient figurehead um, who's, you know, just ensconced in the most ridiculous sort of, you know, gold embossed um, carriage uh have you i mean have you seen her carriage i mean that's it's almost it's a perfect metaphor for like inequality in britain like mm. remember like parading around during the uh sort of peak of osborne george osborne and and um david cameron's austerity and and the the and the same was true every time they went into parliament um and you had the queen delivering the queen's speech which mm. is the policy program for the government 
bizarre ritual where the queen comes in and says what my government will do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Can't believe we made it this far without any queen impressions. There we I go. Know. Um, no. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, you know, she's she's sitting on a on an actual literal gold throne, mm. which is just covered in jewels, saying yeah. like, "It's time for the country to tighten its belts." Yeah. I mean, not me, obviously. Um, but uh, I'm going to stop. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Actually, you can actually download these these flags. You in, can download a Welsh. a Welsh language version mm. of the bunting, intriguingly. Not a Cornish one or a, or a Gaelic or Scots one. Um, mm. So the big question that I want to ask, which is the slightly silly, provocative, mm. I'm trying to become a main character on Twitter type mm. question, is can there be any latent revolutionary potential in bunting? Um, And I'm going to try and explain what I mean by that. It's not just a dumb question for the Mm -hmm. sake of it. It's a dumb Mm -hmm. question with a lot of thought behind it. Uh, And that thought is that, like, are there there contained within the festivities, the partying, the time off, even the bunting Mm. for the Jubilee, any progressive or radical or convivial or collectivist sort of energies contained within that buried under mm. uh, this sort of blanket of red white and blue and purple and um, because i think there's always like a part of me and because my politics is so informed by like a uh, belief that sort of popular celebration festivity and culture are really important to any sort of you know progressive political movement that like good things happen when people when ordinary people get together and yeah. have a good time, yeah. <laughs> effectively. Yeah. Um, and, get, get, and what we're going to see... And I also think pageantry and ritual and fest, uh, are an important part of festivity. They always have been. Mm-hmm. It just might be that we don't... I don't particularly like the uh, things that the pageantry and ritual are commemorating in this particular instance. And, like, you know, when you get people together for a street party or something, yeah. it might look extremely, like... It might look extremely middle class or extremely jingoistic or extremely kind of deferential and worshipful mm. towards the royal family. And I would obviously sort of balk at that person. Like, that doesn't represent who I am and what I think is good about living in London and giving, living in this country. Um, but rather everything that's kind of wrong with it. Right, yeah. <laughs> and yet the act of celebrating itself is something that really interests me because it because it transforms the everyday mm. into something ludic and celebratory. Um, it disrupts our everyday routines. I mean, m- most people that aren't me and you will have days off this week, which yeah, is good. They yeah. won't be going to work and they'll be paid anyway. Mm. Um, uh, but also it just disrupts their, you know, disrupts the boredom and, you know, mundanity mm. of like everyday life in the same way that a snow day does or a riot does, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. in extremely different ways. Um, and they also transform our physical environment, our built environment, the places that we live, the spaces that we inhabit, the streets we walk down. They look and feel different. And I was thinking that it's like, it's a shame that I really am not at all into national flags or nationalism mm. because I almost could enjoy the carnivalesque vibe of bunting and flags hanging out of windows if it wasn't for the fact that every that what it the Queen's Jubilee stuff and the Queen's Jubilee bunting, our cursed object this week, everything that it sort of denotes and reflects is everything that I think's wrong with this country, unfortunately. <laughs> um I was reminded recently, in fact, of um, when I was like seven or eight years old, Crystal Palace, um, South East London football team, made it to the FA Cup final, which they never normally do. They're not a big team. They don't normally succeed in <laughs> in that way. Um, 
and being in the car in South London with my dad going, you know, being taken to, I don't know, the supermarket or something, uh, driving through and seeing red and blue flags, bunting, balloons, mm. posters, banners all over the streets. Not, you know, we weren't anywhere near the ground or the football ground or anything. It was just all of Crystal Palace was in this celebratory mood, had been completely like the you know the everyday street scene had been completely subverted and and turned into something really convivial exciting and celebratory mm-hmm. and that was sick and i i hate palace i'm a wimbledon fan <laughs> you know <laughs> but um but it was uh it was exactly the sort of thing that i think i can almost see this latent sort of potential for us transforming our everyday lives and the drudgery of capitalism through partying. It's just, mm. unfortunately, the figurehead is the wrong one. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing, though. That's why they, they have used the idea of the festival, right. the idea of the street party, because it, I think it does have such, like, radical potential. Yeah. It has such a way to, like, transform our our like lived experience like yeah. I'm a big fan of bunting in general like <laughs> my cousin got some for Amazing. the for the garden and what color if I can ask it was like just it was just like a rainbow oh like different rain like just Excellent. different colors basically yeah. and it's just amazing. The kids, like, it just looked like we were having a little party for the kids every day in the summer. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. so lovely. Oh, I see. So it wasn't for a particular, it wasn't for a party. I think it was, it was just... for a party and then they stayed up. Because you were like, oh, wow, now every day is like it's a festival. Like a yeah, <laughs> That's so cute. It was really cute. And like, so we, so I only have like two experiences with street parties, really. Mm-hmm. The first one is... Uh, when I had chicken pox during the Queen's Jubilee in 2002. <laughs> That's a very Republican position for I know, you to have taken. I know, to... yeah, I, I got it specifically for that. <laughs> and then, you know, I was like, in my heart, I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to do anything to do with this stupid, ju- stupid Jubilee. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but I've, I can't go to the street party. <laughs> Little Kasha can't go to the street party. I can't go to the street party. I'm still imagining you in a princess dress at this point, possibly. No, it was, it was wrestling. Okay. Oh, sorry, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. I'm ima- Right, you're in a Hulk Hogan costume, yeah, yeah sure. With the blonde hair, actually, I'm not that far off, it's fine. So anyway... Like, you were gutted. I was gutted, yeah. yeah, because like it was a moment of like... So we were all going to go into school... Everyone went into school and it was like a day that the daily routine of school was disrupted. You know, mm. there was like, you could, there was music and sweets brilliant, and cakes right? and yeah, it's brilliant. Disruption of yeah. the everyday man. And I guess it comes back to, I think a kind of a very baseline leftist position is that like all of these things are bad because of the messages underpinning them. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we've spoken about a lot. Like, it's too reductive though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like, okay, so if you look at bunting and it's got a uh, Union Jack a union jack on it or it's just got colors do you how do you i guess it normalizes the flag right it normalizes the flag being in the everyday space which i think is broadly not a good thing i think you know i'm we not don't i mean flags. yeah i think you, that's broadly you, a bad thing you go to some countries and you see the national flag a lot more i think it's like the u.s yeah, yeah, like, I that's think people true. actually that's have true. maybe it's just that we live in parts of London where we don't, we yeah, see the EU yeah. flag more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I take you, but you're absolutely right. So I think there's that kind of that uh, that association, I guess, with bunting and you know trying to understand whether the messages behind it that are in support of the monarchy, mm. basically, how strongly do they influence how people feel about the monarchy? Right. And then I guess the second thing. I don't sec- think it's the bunting. Sorry to interrupt, but I, just to answer that question quickly, I don't. Well, I mean, tell me what you think. I don't think the bunting is doing the lion's share of the work in making the 
British people say that they would like to maintain the monarchy rather than have a republic. Yeah. You know what's what I mean? Do, what's doing the lion's share? Oh boy, the right a... the right wing press. Yeah, I think yeah, the right in, in a sense that like things have always been this way. So and, why would yeah. you change why them? Why would you change like, it? I mean, yeah. I think that's. Um, there's also I like think, some quite bogus arguments, like oh, it's it's so good for tourism and stuff. Which yeah. the, to which the counter argument is, uh, I just saw this on Twitter the other day, yesterday, and I really liked it. Versailles, the Versailles Palace, where the royals mm. used to live in France. For those who don't know, Versailles gets over seven million visitors a year. So if you want to get the tourists in, we should probably copy the French. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think some people have these this idea that like it's a pragmatic mm. thing to just keep the monarchy. They're not doing any harm. You know, you know, and also like a sense of, you know, there is a sense of personal affinity and identification almost. Mm. Identification may be the wrong word, but a, a sense that like the queen has done a hard job and she's done it well and she doesn't complain. And it's like, mm. Bizarre projections or, yeah. or every one of them. Yeah. How on earth do you think you know what this woman, this woman doesn't yeah. even say what she thinks in public. Like she's, not, she, she's sort of not allowed to in a, by convention. Yeah. Um, like she's like the sacred cow who is, yeah. <laughs> is like... If she was on TV every day sort of presenting like GM, like... Tap dancing. And... Wow, that's quite a... <laughs> Quite an image there. I was thinking more like in a Piers Morgan role, oh, like right. like, like being on t- good, good Morning Britain. Yeah, being of, yeah. being a panel panel sort of host, um, being a provocateur, saying mm. what she really thought mm. about everything. I think she'd be a lot less popular when people just come down. Like what's most of her actual views were on ordinary people. Um, yeah, and then I guess how often would she be celebrated in street <laughs> in street party format? Her jubilee be celebrated in street parties if. She was like a, a renter gob basically, <laughs> in the media. You think no one's having street parties for Piers Morgan <laughs> with bunting. Um, no, it's a fair point. What kind of dystopian hell <laughs> I feel like we've got, we've got off on a bit of a mad, dyst- no, no, yeah, like you know what? bleak there, tangent. There are, there are, so I think mainly we associate street parties with something to do with royalty. Kind of more recently, actually, with commemorations of wars, like you know the the anniversaries of the sec- end of the Second World War, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. People having street parties. Well, for that? do you know what they I were they that. were going to? Okay. But then the coronavirus pandemic oh. hit. So yeah, the big anniversary in twenty twenty. Um, What's that? Wait, twenty seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Oh, that is go. a big number. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. I thought it so, seemed like an old anniversary date, but no. No, that no. Makes no. Sense. So there was yeah. going to be like a big thing in May, and then obviously there was the pandemic, so it didn't happen. Loads of street uh. parties were planned, and there were actually people who did do street parties, who did, like, socially distanced conga lines. Oh, you know, that was what that yeah, was yeah. for, the socially distanced conga line. <laughs> conga lines the, was for that, The bleakest, yeah. tweest. I mean, I think that helped cement a certain idea in the sort of grumpy left yeah. uh, mindset that is also explains what their hatred of bunting is, which is a, it's a very twee English middle-class white yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, and Even yeah. the word bunting says, yeah. sort of screams twee I had to, at you. Yeah, I had yeah. to Google it, because I was like, what are those tiny little flags called? And I was like, bunting, and I was like, I've never heard that word what in my life. What are you talking life. about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> a PhD. A specific, and... yeah, such a specific term. But yeah, I mean, I have, so around my area, there's loads of um, street parties. Again, you know, I guess like fairly white middle-class area, whatever. Yeah. Um, that that do these kind of street parties, mm. but there's this one down the end of my road, and it's just the best because oh, it's really? not it's not connected to a commemoration. It's not connected to um, it's not connected to a reli- uh, like I don't know. It's not connected to a, like royalty at all. Yeah. It's literally just every single year the community get together and they put loads of time and effort Amazing. into it. They sell little 
pictures of the area and what it looked like six years ago, which is amazing because, you know, my family's lived here for, for mm. generations. Mm. So it's just like... I don't know. It's, it's like every summer, really... is it? Is it the big lunch? No, it's not the big it's lunch. Separate from the big no, lunch. No, no. It's just a generic street party. Street party, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and it's just really, really fun and you bump into your neighbours and you just like... And get to know them. Yeah, yeah, and like, I don't know whether this is a sign of me approaching 30, but like, increasingly we're like... Yeah, like that's what I want to like. That's people, how I want to people, spend my time. People are like, people are like, oh, do you want to come to this Raven Hackney? And I'm like, no. I've, I've actually got a street I've party tomorrow, <laughs> so I've got to make some triangular sandwiches yeah. and cupcakes. It's um, just cute, you know. It's just nice to. It's, it's. I don't know. We talk about the loss of community, and I think like street parties do have a kind of uh, a, a radical potential to bring you in conversation with people that you usually. I don't know that like yeah embed you in the community I'm super involved in my community so I think and and I think well so the other the other thing in this thread is sort of whatsapp groups mutual aid whatsapp groups that emerged during the coronavirus but in an age when when actually a lot of us don't know our neighbors and don't talk to them and don't therefore end up involved in their lives helping them supporting them Mm. um uh, particularly in large cities, obviously, it's fair saying. Um, here is something, and by here I mean like, yeah, any kind of street party. Street parties sound twee, don't they? And I think, I think you know, yeah, they sound lame. And the and the Kong, <laughs> until you go to one and meet yeah. lovely Mrs. Smith from Number Thirty Nine, who saw Jackie very, from my running group. Amazing, had to dance with her. But this is the thing. Like I remember the two thousand and twelve. I guess that was the Diamond Jubilee. Yeah, of course it was because it was the Jubilympics, and oh, that you had the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and the Olympics in the space of a few months, and so you know um, everyone went patriotic crazy at a time when austerity was soaring please check out our episode on that which the object was it was the wenlock wenlock the police officer olympic police officer that's right <laughs> thank you um but yeah 2012 that um jubilimpic summer i remember there was there was a bank holiday for the jubilee then and street parties then and i remember being at a house party not a street party later that evening, having completely ignored the whole thing because I'm cool, you know, no, I mean, I just, I don't know what I was doing, probably working. Uh, And I went to a party in the evening and a mate of mine had been just chilling around his area in Seven Sisters and and sort of Harringay Green Lanes when he stumbled on a really, really sick Queen's Jubilee in inverted commas street party that was basically, they were blaring out like amazing reggae, reggae, dance hall quite a caribbean area mm. um there was jerk chicken and like you know it's a multicultural street like most streets in london um but there was no queen shit anywhere and there were no union jacks anywhere mm. but there were grants being given out or like certainly they were helped like by local councils you know handed down from the state to help you set up a a, a you know jubilee lunch and so what my friend thought was like this is absolutely sick because this stuff has been distributed to help, like, you know, it's, it's the resources, and that goes for our cursed object today, and these resource packs in a way. Like, this is an example of the state mm. spending money on um, things that are convivial and complicated mm. and, and nuanced, but that are supposed to perpetuate the the ideology of, like, the ruling class basically being yeah. a good thing and that they should stay the same. You know, this is... The, the reason our object is cursed today is because 
you have a democratically elected government saying go and worship your hereditary you know monarch like i mean that's yeah. you know on the most fundamental level why it's a cursed object yeah. um but that in 2012 and i'm sure this will be happening i hope this will be happening this week for the platinum jubilee as well that people are subverting that by 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 just being like well i don't give a shit about the monarchy but i want to hang out with my neighbors and have yeah, a lovely time yeah, yeah, yeah. and the kids can play in the street there won't be any cars like and if you live in a city i think something that's great about street parties is that it overturns the everyday in terms of the absolute dominance of the car um, um, in our space you know the, the you know we don't think about it because we just assume it because it's always been the case for our whole lives but you know we exist in very narrow <laughs> strips mm. of pavement in order to let the privileged um, minority who own cars in, in in a city like London dominate all of the public space and that's tipped upside down and that is the carnivalesque is it not mm. like to tell turn the world upside down to you know to um, to flip the everyday uh, on its head and um, relate. So I mentioned the big lunch. The big lunch was uh, this idea that was created, I think, by the Eden Project initially in 2009. Um, and it's become an annual event. It happens on my parents' street uh, every year where it's what it sounds like. Everyone comes, everyone makes a dish. It's a potluck in American uh, American English you know, where everyone makes a dish, brings it out onto sort of trestle tables, mm. the local community organise it, and they have a day celebrating and partying together, you know, and, 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 and share food and, and get to know each other better. And, you know, that's, you're right, everyone does, well, from the left to the right, lament the loss of community. And so the fact that anything that pushes against that, I think, and towards conviviality is broadly a good thing. So, mm. God, are we saying that bunting is good? Is that is that the conclusion <laughs> that yes, bunting does have a latent? I always said that bunting potential. was good. <laughs> no, yeah, okay, you, you you have a consistent <laughs> position on bunting, and, and fair play to you. So yeah, I mean we've we've ended with a sort of interestingly ambivalent take on bunting, I think, <laughs> and on and on and on the Queen's Jubilee, and yeah, I mean you you guys will be listening to this. Uh, I mean, you can make it radical. You can yeah, like you I do don't know, you, you like can put it. little anarchist days on it. And then... <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine and then that. if you actually oh. no imagine if you took the template the yeah. platinum jubilee and instead of you know having the having flags and all of that nonsense you actually had something like i don't know like a guillotine or whatever you could print them <laughs> edit out edit it in photoshop yeah edit it in photoshop do an mm. alternative bunting you know because the thing is is that i think you know that they're, they're great <laughs> so why not Kasha just... taking the unequivocally un 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 pro-bunting position there but no you're right I mean yeah what what's on the bunting does matter but the, you know here's, here's the thing like you know wh whatever you think of bunting and whatever the content of the bunting is like there's definitely something interesting here about the license that's being given by the state on behalf of an hereditary like monarch um, to ordinary citizens well I was about to say citizens the point is, though, we're not citizens. We are subjects. This is an important mm. distinction. We are not citizens in this country. We are subjects yeah. of the monarch, which is just, again, the, sim the symbolic problem here is mm. that we, are, we have to be deferential sort of legally and constitutionally yeah. to somebody who only has power and wealth because they, because they inherited it. Um, but I like the fact that we've discovered some potential for subverting that. Mm. And uh, and I hope, Via bunting. and I hope by the time you guys listen to this, you've had a lovely subversive jubilee weekend. <laughs> I just want to, um, if I can, just round out before we say goodbye with a couple of quick paragraphs from a piece that some of you may have heard before. I don't think Kasha's read this, 
but it is a beautiful viral uh there's one one paragraph in particular that's just amazing uh it's by a writer called patrick frayne from the irish times which should give you a clue as to where what direction this is going to go in um from from march 2021 um i'm just gonna read the opening couple of paragraphs of this article having a monarchy next door is a little like having a neighbor who's really into clowns and has daubed their house with clown murals displays clown dolls in each window and has an insatiable desire to hear about and discuss clown-related news stories. More specifically for the Irish, it's like having a neighbour who's really into clowns. Oh, and also your grandfather was murdered by a clown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beyond this, it's the stuff of children's stories. Having a queen as head of state is like having a pirate or a mermaid or an Ewok as a head of state. What's the logic? Bees have queens, but the queen bee lays all of the eggs in the hive. The Queen of the Britons has just laid four British eggs, and one of those is the sweatless creep Prince Andrew, so it's hardly <laughs> deserving of applause. The contemporary royals have no real power. They serve entirely to enshrine classism in the British non-constitution. They live in high luxury and low autonomy, cosplaying as their ancestors, and are the subject of constant psychosocial projection from people mourning the loss of empire. Mm. They're basically a Rorschach test that the tabloids hold up in order to gauge what level of hysterical batshittery their readers are capable of at any one time. Mm. Um, oh yeah, I won't read the rest, but I thought it was important to have just a little bit of actual polemical invective yeah. uh, to round off the, yeah. <laughs> this otherwise yeah. uh, more ambivalent uh, episode of our podcast. I really, really loved that. And do you know what? It, it reminded me of um, a friend who I think grew up in Surrey uh, yeah, I made this friend through work and, and I think they grew up in Surrey and they were when I met them, they were such a keen royalist. And then actually, uh, that's that's kind of, I kind of met them around the time of the Corbyn, early Corbyn mm. years. And I spoke to them recently and they were like, yeah, I hate the monarchy now. Well, not hate, <laughs> you know, not hate the monarchy, but like from, from something that was like a really strong interest of theirs. Mm. You have seen this like slow progression into like yeah. socialism and like liking Tommy Corbyn's tweets and stuff like that. <laughs> and like, you know, now just basically being like, yeah, like I'm I'm not I'm not interested in them anymore. I was really interested in them, <laughs> right. I'm not anymore. And this idea of a Rorschach test, yeah. I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. It's like how like I don't know, I don't think it's just that like people on the left uh need to hate the monarchy or whatever but I think that there's something really excellent there about having leftist politics makes mm. you question something mm. that you know like in terms of your class demographic everything you were like a, a real staunch supporter of yeah and now you know there has been a change and I think this is what a lot of people don't really recognize about those years yeah. about those kind of initial there was such a huge uh, left political awakening that questioned a lot of things in it like things about our state right mm. things about our society that yeah. i think is really important and profound and not yeah. just something that people can go oh yeah everyone who everyone who is involved in those politics is just like a student or whatever you know there was something really profound about how that moment changed people i think even in in terms of how we see the royals yeah i mean i suppose it's worth saying that when the current queen dies um we may see a change in 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 attitude uh but mm. you know I, i'm not i'm i'm not going to predict that what's more important is what you're saying there i think about um how it becomes just this 
the monarchy is yeah, it's a Rorschach test, or it's something you just project your you, is a social relationship. Yeah, it's a cipher yeah. for the rest of your politics almost. Yeah. And if yeah. you know, you mentioned like the Corbyn movement, and if the incredibly you know reduced sort of essence of Corbynism was the slogan, which you know New Labour had used as well, for the many, not the few. Mm. Take that, and then look at look at you know a hereditary monarchy, and and yeah. and and you can't see anything other than like. You know, it, it as a encapsulation of the British class system and all the inequality that goes mm. with it. You know. Sorry, can I just say one thing though? So often we don't interrogate the idea of like the absurdism of like UK politics. So like you know we see it in like Camp Bimface or whatever. But there is a really <laughs> there is a really sh- strong. Um, I think there's a politics behind the idea of eccentricity in the mm. UK. And the Queen really symbolises that for a lot of people's parasocial relationships. Mm. Like, our oh, Madge, isn't she crazy? She drove a Jeep when when the someone from Saudi Arabia was here because people women can't drive Jeeps in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, we Gina. kind of... Yeah, well, there's, like, a lot of projection onto her about, like, you know, oh, when she drove Barack Obama and, like, you know, all of this stuff. Like, oh, she is... She's, she's this, like head of state but she's also like eccentric and you see those characteristics in street parties or the mad people that wear union jack head to toe kind oh, of yeah. thing certainly so around Brit- Brexit and English the- idea rather than a British idea almost uh, yeah but I think that they wear the union flag. oh totally yeah, yeah. yeah but I just I'm not it feels like an English idea. Yeah, the, the, all right, okay. sort of absurd, eccentric almost. But. Yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, it's just, just in the context of them wearing the Union flag. I mean, although I haven't done enough research on whether or not people in Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland do that. Welsh and Scottish eccentrics. That's, a, yeah, that's an yeah. episode, another episode, I think. Um. Yeah. But I think there is something there that connects the idea of this jubilee as a moment of kind of like jubilant festival festivalities. And it really harnesses a very particular, and I'm going to call it a political, uh, personal political idea mm. um, that connects eccentric English characteristics mm. with um, a particular attachment to the nation state. Yeah. So I think there is like, Same. there is a kind of, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interruption from Prof Cash's cat. Hey, Prof. Uh, um, but you're making a loopy sort of symbol with your hand, which yeah. is exactly no. It's so like that's an so Ouroboros. Is that the snake that eats its own tail, or maybe an infinity symbol? I don't know. All of mm. these things are connected mm. in a way that I think if you just isolate one, you don't necessarily necessarily see the connection. Yeah. But like there is an idea of eccentricity that I think is in yeah definitely English politics that then ends up supporting the the, the idea state, of the and then state. and then yeah. you, and then you have this sort of loop where the state is providing resources materials yeah. this toolkit yeah. of pdfs that we're describing that and even a playlist that helps humanize these you know parasites frankly uh, sorry it's just it's just an accurate description i'm not trying to be like ooh, like edgy mm. uh they're just just they are parasites um um that the, then sort of yeah exactly generates that effective response mm. to to the royals that is then further supported by people that are like i love the queen she's balmy just like me i'm balmy yeah. she's and cl- actually what's, no what's you're just right like, wing like, <laughs> like i when you were sort of describing her as like eccentric and balmy i can't i, I can see absolutely none of that i'm like mm. well she's She's really boring and probably a bit of a bigot. <laughs> it's my would be my guess. But then again, that's me projecting. Like, why do I need to have an opinion on what her her 
personalities like who gives a shit like yeah you know and yet who we are talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's because we are being bombarded with this sort of you know like um 70th uh anniversary sorry i'm being growled at by prof um uh this this 70th anniversary hullabaloo there i said it okay Oh. He just wants to be on the podcast. Oh, bro. <laughs> he just wants to get involved in our street I'm party. I'm covered in prof hair. Oh, oh, me too. Um, oh, it's in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we try and get him to help us round up or yeah. should we just do this? Anyway, um, I think it's probably about time we round up, don't you, prof? <laughs> Silent. <laughs> now you stop purring. No, you stop. He's sitting literally right next to the microphone. Um uh. Oh, bless him. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening, as ever. Don't forget that you can get a lot more episodes on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash objects, and is only right, £4 a month. <laughs> and if you help us out, we can uh, help get Prof set up with his own podcast about cats just cat just cat things i'd love to know what hashtag just, right just cat things um and uh yeah I, ho I hope you all had a wonderful jubilee weekend whatever it was you did and however uh insurgent or um deferential your street parties were <laughs> um thanks everyone for listening <laughs> cheers goodbye bye